Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org. This is a podcast from Minute Media. I still believe through the cold and through the heat, through the rain and through the tears, through the crowds and through the cheers. gentlemen we now welcome on a very special guest who needs no introduction but obviously still gets one born and raised in cleveland as a browns fan where in high school at olmstead falls she was the pole vault division one state champion in 2009 in college at ashland university she was a two-time ncaa d2 pole vault national champion and three-time all-american In 2018, she took gold at the USA Indoor Track and Field Championships and the gold at the NACAC Championships in Toronto. But most recently, she traveled to Tokyo for the Summer Olympics, where she won an Olympic gold medal with the fourth highest jump in the history of the sport. Let me give you that one more time. The fourth highest jump in the history of the sport. We are pleased to welcome Olympic champion Katie Najat. Katie, thank you so much for joining us and welcome. Hi, guys. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited. We were actually going to talk about the Browns a little bit more until this past weekend. So we're just going to pretend that they <laughs> didn't play this weekend. And uh, we're going to talk about you and Brown stuff that pertain to you, but not the actual team. Uh, uh, fair I have had fair so many I've had so many questions since that making the Browns. <laughs> I don't blame you. I don't I I feel like I blacked out during all of it. That was the coolest experience ever. And then was it the Thursday night game as well? Was what? Were you at the Broncos game too on the field? Uh yes. Yeah, I think it was the Broncos. It was the Thursday night game, yeah. which I believe was the Broncos. Um, and that was insane. I couldn't hear myself on the microphone. I I thought maybe the microphone was broken because the crowd behind me was so loud and they were chanting USA. And so when I said the first, here we go, brownies, here we go, there was that pause because obviously the sound takes a second to travel and travel back to you. And there was just a long enough pause where I was like, "Uh oh, they can't hear me. And then the whole stadium just went, hoo, hoo. And I, that gave me chills. <laughs> I was just like, this is the coolest I mean, other than what I'm wearing around my neck, this is the coolest experience ever. Did you know before you got there that, like, you're going to lead the entire stadium in a Here We Go Brownies chant? Or they just hand you a microphone when you're on the field and say, no. <laughs> no, they told me ahead of time and asked if I was comfortable with that. And I said, sure. And thankfully, they didn't expect much from me. I'm, I'm not sure how well I would have done if I had to talk for, you know, an extended period of time. But I, it was 
so cool. I was so nervous that I would just, I mean, mess it up or something, but it was so incredible. How many rounds of here we go brownies chance did you do? I did three. You did three? <laughs> I did three. <laughs> you got to cut it off at two, but that's okay. No, they told me three. So they're, oh, well, they're wrong. Why is it two? Why is it two? Uh, they told I, me they said like, two I don't know. three I'm times. Curious. I'm like, okay. <laughs> you get it after the second one mm. and then you move on. And that's not you. Okay. That's that. That's not you. I, I that was more a question about what they're pumping into, pe- what they're telling people to do. And <laughs> remember the, I'm sure it was great when you did it because you won a gold medal for Cleveland. But yeah, I'm just going to have it. I have a long email for the Browns okay. Jumbotron guy. <laughs> Personal yeah, yeah. pet project of Raleigh's is that stadium in the crowd. So more to come from that. Um, <laughs> we're going to jump all over the place. This kind of goes into what I was going to ask you later on. But speaking of this big crowd, in the Olympics, there were no spectators, of course. Um, I mean, you could literally hear you guys breathing. Like, that's how quiet it was in that stadium. What was that like competing with no crowds? And then is it safe to say that that Browns experience hopefully kind of made up for not having them there when you won gold? Yeah, that I. it's funny. I, I've thought about that and like that and throwing out the first pitch at the Indians game. Like those were kind of the moments that maybe I didn't get in Tokyo, but it's funny because we had been competing in stadiums without fans. So it wasn't this drastically different thing. We were kind of ready. I was at least ready for that. And my coach has done a really good job of, you know, no matter who's watching, you're just coming down and executing the same way every time. Um, And so, yeah, it would have been great to have fans, but you still feel like it's the Olympics. The nerves that I felt were unlike anything I've ever experienced. So even though there wasn't a crowd directly there, I still felt the the pressure and you still felt like it was the Olympics. So there was definitely no shortage of, of that sort of pressure. But um, yeah, I, I think it just, I can't say that I would want to change anything because it ended up being pretty great for me, but yeah, yeah. Um, it would have been awesome, but it just, there, there were people in the stands. There were, you know, other track and field athletes, there were coaches. So it wasn't completely empty, um, but it definitely wasn't, you know, what anyone talking smack. (laughs) I was honestly so like in my head and nervous and just focusing on what I could do. No, (laughs) like you don't even have the energy to talk to other people really at the meet. What are you doing uh, in 2024? Can me and Raleigh come to 2024 um, and take yeah. care of any shit talkers that may or may not be there from other countries? Cause now you're the defending champion. You're the goat. They're going to be there. <laughs> Great. Yeah, absolutely. Right. 100%. Uh, on to the, I don't even know. Probably should have prepared for this question a little bit more. My brother was actually a pole vaulter um, in high school. At, uh, awesome. He didn't, he decided not to go to the Olympics, but uh, what are yeah. some of the things? Tough decision. Yeah, right. <laughs> what are the well, first off, when was your holy shit? I think I could go to the Olympics for this moment. I think there were just a few of them along the way. The um I think when I jumped 15 feet for the first time, that was kind of a big moment. There weren't many girls in the US doing that. The first time you jump, I jumped the Olympic standard, which the first time I ever did it, it was 14, nine. Um, now it's a bit higher, 
Um, but the, I think the first time I ever did that, it was like, oh, I'm, I'm capable of this. But in the US, it's just so tough. When I tried out in 2016, I didn't make it. I was jumping a lot higher than even a lot of the girls at the Olympics. But the US, you only are allowed to send three per country. And the US is as tough as it gets. So um, I think doing it there, even in college, when I just started to jump heights that qualified me for nationals, it was like, okay, I, I could maybe do this. But I think the biggest one was when I won U.S. nationals in 2018, and I had several personal bests that day and jumped over 16 feet for the first time, and that was higher than what won the Olympics in 2016. And I think that was my moment of, oh, we could really do something Let's special. <laughs> yeah. I don't know if people – I'm still trying to wrap my head around it. I've watched your medal jump a thousand times. I don't know if you can wrap your head around it, Raleigh. <laughs> <laughs> jumping 16 feet like i don't know if people like 16 feet over a bar is just <laughs> mind-blowing and not only did you win gold yeah that's pretty you know pretty cool you were the fourth highest jump in the history of the sport did you like do you know before you're even taking off like what i'm going for has never been done or by not many people or does it happen afterwards you find that out i honestly I, yeah, I think it just, you, in the moment, you just know that you're still in a competition and you haven't won yet. And that's all that matters is just come down and clear it. I had cleared that bar before. Um, when I missed my first attempt, it was really good. And so I was just more excited to get back on the runway and try it again. So all of the extra stuff, even just, you know, gold medal, this could be gold. Like you just, that, that wasn't so much in the forefront of my mind, it was more of just, there are still girls in and you're still competing. So this is, this is the bar you need to clear next. And that's really how I tried to focus on it. And it's funny because when I took off the ground, I really thought I messed up. It didn't feel good. It wasn't, it wasn't my best technical jump by any means. I really thought that as soon as I started to swing, it just felt really weird. And, but I, I fought for it and and I was over it. And so part of my expression is aside from being just ecstatic was a little bit of shock as well. Like I couldn't believe that that was the jump that, that cleared that high. I had never felt like that before. Uh, my coach said I was just so far under, I was running really well and your hands are at a fixed point when you take off the ground that I would, the pole just scooped me up and shot me straight upside down. But you can you can feel that like the littlest difference, you can feel those things. And so it didn't feel very like fluid, like it normally does. And so I think it, you know, it's a lot of, there's a lot of thoughts going on, especially when you're going for a bar like that, but it was more of, okay, I was close on that first attempt. You know, you have a chance to, to take the lead back just as I would think about it in any other competition. And and this is how you got to go down and do it. And I was just excited to get back on the runway and try it again. You described that so amazingly. Yeah, so that was incredible. I was trying to think Thanks. of a question of like, how do I ask her about like weird things that happen or things? <laughs> like, <every> question <laughs> I wanted to ask. Nobody yeah. has any right. idea of like what that's <laughs> like, except for, um, so yeah, yeah, inside the mind of a Olympic pole. So, so yeah, so good point. Good transition, Raleigh. We're big on transitions here. <laughs> Segways, transitions. What we call them in the biz. Yes. Podcast. Yes. This is not, I'm only going to, I can only ask this to a gold medal Olympic champion. 
This is a question I've always wondered when I'm watching the Olympics, when it comes to gymnastics or swimming or the individual sports, right? It's just you. Mm -hmm. If you have an off day or something, there's no teammates going to come pick you up and it's not, it's just you. Yeah. What are you so tuned out to everything? Like you don't even, this is the Olympics. Like you just like focus on just that runway and that bar. I guess what is going through your mind for that gold jump? You're like, are you overthinking it? Like I've done this a million times. If I just do it like I normally do, I win gold or like, I just help me understand what goes on in the mind of someone who's much more athletic and successful than me and Raleigh. (laughs) I guess just as I start coming down the runway, it's, that's all I can focus on. And a big part of that is just, I changed coaches back in 2017 and the new coach that I am now working with. And he's the one that really got me to the Olympics. You know, it's, it's all about how you think on the runway. And as you're coming into the takeoff, just focusing on your cues and specific things you can execute. So not something abstract, like, okay, clear this bar or just, you know, just don't mess this up. It's more things like, okay, jump on one crank to the shins, like very specific actions that you can execute. And so once I'm on the runway and pick my pole up and start moving, that's all that I am thinking about. And that's, there's really just no room for any of the other stuff. So as I'm coming down the runway, there was no, oh gosh, this could be the bar. It was just, you got to jump and you got to get back tighter because the, the jump before I came out a little bit early, knocked it off just slightly on the way up. So it really was just as I'm moving, you know, everything we've worked on the past several years, just every single jump in practice as I'm coming down the runway, it's, it's just this laser focus on those cues. Now, when you're off the runway or before you start coming down, yes, like I definitely, before my third attempt at my opening bar, I just thought about my entire family at this dive bar and instead of Paul's getting up at six in the morning, well, four in the morning to come watch me. And I just love that. You know, it just, it, it definitely, I just, I felt this, gosh, these nerves were just unlike anything I'd ever felt. Like I said, it's just like this electricity kind of through your body, but your hands are going numb and you're just nauseous, but you're also so pumped. It's a very strange sensation. <laughs> um, and so, yeah, you, I mean, it's all going through your head, but when I'm on the runway, when I start moving, it's just. And it's funny, people tell me that I talked to myself on the runway and I I watched it, I saw, but I didn't realize that I do that. But all I'm doing is repeating my cues and my execution points. That's that's all I'm saying to myself. So one of my besides the whole clearing it and you know winning the gold, now that you say that, one of the I laughed watching your gold medal jump because at the end you stood up and you just go, Oh man. And that's like all you said. So I guess Yeah, I just I knew that that was going to be very hard to beat. And so that was this moment of, oh man, like that could have been, yes. like that was, because awesome. it wasn't over yet. Um, the, the, the other two girls still had, you know, they each had an attempt at that height. And if they cleared it, then we'd go on to the next bar. And especially the girl from Russia, she, she cleared the bar higher to win in 2019 for worlds. So I knew that it wasn't over. And I was, part of that was, just me trying to keep my emotions in check too. So it was this, Oh man, like that that was huge, but like keep it together (laughs) because it's not over yet. If she clears it, we have to continue jumping at the next bar. So I got one more of that, but you want to, were you, uh, did you make friendships with 
the other vaulters, such as the, the Russian, the Russian. Yes. I Well, it's funny because I compete against these women year round. It's all the same women. We compete at the same meets. It's, you know, so you become friends with them. You eat meals with them. You're in the same hotel. Sometimes you room with them. And so like the British girl that got bronze is, I would say, probably my best friend on the circuit. She and I are really close. We text outside of competitions. Um, she's awesome. So I, I was genuinely ecstatic that it was the two of us up on the podium. Um, and, and yeah, Sidorova, she's, she's very nice. She looks very stoic and, you know, very serious, but she's, a, she's really sweet. She's always been so nice when I've had a good day and she hasn't been, and she was obviously sad in the moment, but she, uh, I was really sad. hoping I was just hoping you were going to say that the Russian was your sworn. I know. Like, you asked her to like try on your gold medal. Like, after. Oh, like, so hey, many Rocky four. You want to hold it? Uh, <laughs> what, when yeah. did it hit you that is, is it on the podium and the national anthem's coming? Is it weeks after? When do you finally come to grips that I am the best one in the world at this sport right now? I am at the top, the very top. Like, when does that hit home? Or are you just already looking ahead to the next one as a competitor? Well, it it's what's interesting is it's still hitting me. Um, mm-hmm. And in the moment, you know, at the competition, when it ends, when she goes out and I win, like, you know what that means. And I, But it was like I couldn't fully process it because, one, like I said, that meet felt very similar to a lot of other meets that I've done and just the way that I focus and the, you know, it just felt like this is what I do, but also it's just, the Olympics is so big. It's just this, my entire life, it's just been the biggest thing and your entire career, you're going for something bigger, right? There's always something bigger that you can achieve. There's always somebody better than you. And so to have, this happen. I've always seen Olympians and especially Olympic champions as these larger than life, extraordinary, just inhuman people. And I feel so aside from being good at this one sport, very average. Like I just, I like to sit on my couch and watch Netflix for eight hours on a rest day. Like I, you know, it's like, it doesn't, it, it doesn't fully compute. Like I feel like the Olympics is still going to go on with all the really good people, like there's no way that I could be a part of that and, and winning. Like, it's just, it's, but then I'll be washing my dishes and just start crying or just driving and like, it hits me. So it, like, I know what it is, but it just, because it's just me, it just feels very like, I'm like, no, there's no way. I like, it's, you're too bashful. It's such a strange feeling, <laughs> but so much more, which is almost amazing. as impressive is how humble and you are about it. I mean, now I can't speak for Raleigh, <laughs> but myself, that thing would never, I would sleep with it. I, it would come <laughs> everywhere. Oh, I heard, here's a, um, what, what do you, what do people do with gold medals? I don't know. I mean, it's sitting on my dresser. I don't know what to do with it. I am not mature enough to own something of this caliber. My friends are like, have you insured it yet? I'm like, no, I wouldn't have even thought to do that. And just, I, so I didn't plan for this one because you don't want to jinx yourself, but two, you just, again, it seems so it's too big. It's, it's just too out of the realm of possibility. And, and so no, I didn't really plan for this at one point. It was just in it's case just, I think sitting on my floor at one point, like I, like, I don't know what to do with this. It's, 
it's just so much, <laughs> which is terrible, but I need to get like a safe or a glass case or something, but Smithsonian. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. On that, somebody, uh, Numinator asked this, which I'm like, Oh, that's so childish, but I'm like, Oh, that's a good question. And probably never going to be able to ask this to a gold medalist again. Would you trade your gold medal for a Brown Super Bowl win? Oh, Okay. Somebody asked me, actually, no, somebody asked me, would you rather have another gold medal or a Brown Super Bowl win? Uh-huh. That is a lot easier to say, well, I guess I can sacrifice for a Browns win, but. Um, Wait, actually, let me rephrase. Let me rephrase. <laughs> I'm pretty selfish and I really I'm like. Not it. selfish. It's not selfish. It's okay. <laughs> I mean, nobody can pass judgment on you uh, for your answer. Well, they will, but. They will. It's, what if you got I, to keep. You still get to keep like the gold medal status, but you have to give up the gold medal for a Brown Super Bowl. Like physically holding that. it. I could do that. I know. I mean, as long as I had the moment of I want the medal itself is I mean, it's amazing and I'm obsessed with it. But I the it's just more of a cherry on top, more than like the moment is the winning and the standing on the podium and that's that's the best part. So, yes, Cleveland for you. I would do that. <laughs> All right, let's keep it real. No, I mean, I don't know myself personally. I'm taking the gold medal because that's an individual, <laughs> personal. I don't know many people who would give up a gold medal. I would. Uh, individual gold medal. She would. Mine. You're asking the guy with the brown jacket. I think he would. <laughs> and I'm wearing the American flag get up. So that's why it's it's perfect. It makes sense. I was going to say very split. <laughs> One more Olympic question. Let me start doing some brown stuff. Yeah, sure. That's all right. Um, I love Olympic questions. I mean, ask me all you want. <laughs> no, I don't, don't mind really. Don't want to get too stale. I you could never get stale with you, I'm sure. <laughs> yeah. Now, so you, like we just talked about, to go off that last question, winning a gold medal. All right, a, a gold medal. There's nothing higher than that. What I'm just trying to think of, and it's obviously I can't put myself in your shoes, but when you've been to the very tippy top of Everest of in the world, how does that motivate you to want to keep doing it? I've wondered that myself a little bit, but I I'm lucky in that I am. I'm talented and I've had shots at the world record. I've had shots at the American record. And I, I really feel that I am capable of breaking those. Um, it will require a lot more work. And that's why this preseason, I haven't found myself being unmotivated yet. Um, I'm really excited. And at this point now it's even more about how high can I jump and what can I do? And you know, can a woman jump 17 feet? Because that's always, that's been a, a debate for a while. And, and uh. so it yeah, <laughs> I think it's possible. I, I don't think it's possible for many people or, you know, several people. <laughs> it's I know someone. up there, but thanks. <laughs> but so that's very motivating is just as a competitive person and just wanting to push myself and see how high I can go, what my limits are. And and also world championships are in the United States this next year. So 2022, it's in Eugene, Oregon. So that's very exciting. You can't, other than competing at an Olympic Games, getting to compete at a world event in your home country is probably about as good as it gets. So, And you're a Nike athlete. Yes. So that's going to be like big time up there. 
Yeah, it'll be it'll be cool. They just redid the stadium. It's incredible. Um, and it wasn't completely filled for the trials just with COVID restrictions. So it'll be exciting to see that hopefully to full capacity. That'll be crazy. It's crazy. They just And that's so interesting. That So there is still more to achieve out there. I, you would think that the gold medal is, is it. But that's that's incredible. And I can't wait to watch Again, 18, 19, you. 20 feet. You know, let's keep it going. <laughs> uh, that's that's going to be, I think, defying some some laws of physics even more than what we do. So <laughs> we'll see. But yeah, we'll it's, figure it it's we'll figure it out. Exciting. So, so I'm I'm hoping that goes my way this year. So to no one's surprise, you know, you come from a huge Browns family. Yes. Can you talk about the Browns fandom in the Najat household? It's huge. I my parents' first date was to a Browns game, and oh. so yeah. What game? I don't know which one exactly, but I know that it was miserably cold, and I think they lost. So that's that's <laughs> so <unreal. Yeah>. I, <laughs> um, But so I've been a Browns fan since before I was born, and growing up during the fall, if you asked to change the channel on a Saturday or Sunday from football, you got laughed at. Um, so that was that was my entire childhood, and <laughs> I just. <laughs> Like you could have made me any fan, but you made me a Browns fan. And now it's very fun. But for, you know, the last, you know, few years, it was a little rough. There. About 20, 20. Yeah. yeah. But it's um, been fun in the past year or two. This is potentially a smart ass question, but has being a Browns fan played any part in your Olympic conquest? <laughs> never give up. Uh, no, it's just, it's fun to, I mean, it's a good question. It's a good question. It's it, yeah. It's, I feel like you just, you learn to get back up and keep fighting. Like being a Browns fan, we're, we're still, we are out there cheering for them every Sunday. No one can call me a bandwagon fan, which is very nice when they do well. Um, but yeah, I just, I guess, Never give up. You got it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Perfect. So you were invited to come to the practice facility, the Browns practice facility yes. this season to meet the team. The coolest. It was amazing to see you on the field with the gold medal around your neck <laughs> and all these pro bazillion dollar earning football players. <laughs> yeah. Normally it's the other way around. Normally like it's us, like me and Raleigh coming up to them, like trying to take a picture of like them or like, you know what I mean? Like every other fan does, yes. but this was the first time I've ever seen them like little kids around something. Like they all wanted a picture with you. They all Instagrammed the medal with you after. And it's no surprise, like, come on, but it's just still so cool to see. Can you talk about being on the field and Stefanski's jawline up close? Um, Stefanski is even better in person. I will say that. Um, you know, I think I had to gasp a little bit when I ran into him the first time. He's just, he's exactly what, what you think and more. So (laughs) (laughs) TV, so I can imagine I get lost. He does him justice. I will say that. Um, but yeah, (laughs) it was unbelievable. I, and I felt exactly what you were saying. These, these guys, I've just, you always see NFL players as, again, these larger than life inhuman people and getting to meet them and just share, 
my story with them and they were so respectful listening and they seemed engaged. They asked questions afterwards and then, you know, having them come up and talk to me, it just, you just realize aside from like the tax bracket that we're just (laughs) doing the same thing. We are just trying to be the best that we can be at the sport that we love. And, and it was, it was a really cool moment being out there and just realizing, oh, they're just, there's guys out here trying to do their best too. And I felt like there was a mutual respect there, which I, you know, coming in when, you know, coach Howard asked me to speak, I was like, what could I possibly say? What, how these guys are not going to listen to me. I'm first of all, I'm a girl. Second of all, like, I, like they don't care about pole vault, like, but I just, they were awesome. And and now it's even more fun to watch because I feel like, you know, some of these guys have, I, I feel like I've become friends with in a way. And so it just, it's really, it was surreal. Very surreal. That's so cool. All right. Yeah. You don't have to answer this, but any of those guys, were you most surprised at how cool they were? Or like, we're like oh, that guy's awesome. More so than you thought yeah. they would be necessary. Pleasant surprise, kick-ass dudes. Because yeah, they, they, they say don't meet your heroes because it usually doesn't go the way you want it to. Right, right. Not saying they're your heroes, but I, I, I guess I wasn't expecting anyone to be a jerk. So no one just like blew away my expectations. Other than meeting them and just they were so great. I was like, this is awesome. Um, Baker was so cool. He was really. He came up to me. He said he did track for, a you know two months and then <laughs> injured himself like hurtling and that was it. And I said, I think you chose the right profession. I think you're good. Um, but he was, he was so down to earth. He was so cool. And, um, and then actually miles Garrett came up and said he watched and I about passed out because I, I have had his Jersey when he was going through the COVID stuff, I was going through the COVID stuff. So he was somebody that I was really looking to for inspiration in a way, just knowing another elite athlete, somebody at the top of their game was going through something similar to me and struggling with it. That was in a weird way, really helpful for me, which I feel bad saying, cause I had never wanted to go through that. But so that was amazing. And, um, Tack McKinley, Karis McKinley. Um, he was so cool after the game, my family and I went to dinner at blue point and his family was next to us. And there was this moment where we kind of looked at each other and and he recognized me. And then he was just so f- funny because I had my medal because the, the restaurant had asked and I obliged happily. Um, and he just, he put it on and he was just in awe of it. And, and we just had this moment. And then when I did the Browns chance, he ran over and during the pregame and like gave me a hug and like took a picture. I'm like, you're great. Like th- <laughs> these guys are just so cool and they're so nice. And again, they're just out there just doing what they love to do. And they're just, they're just like, it's not that far off from me other than, yeah, like I said, the tax bracket, but. <laughs> okay. But speaking of brackets, like that's another moment where you said the Olympics are so, you can't even grasp how big they are. You have a gold medal, right? They don't have those in football. There's not many gold medals handed out every year. So in a way, like, yet you are on that, like, forget the money. I don't care about that. Like you are, (laughs) if not there above that, that's incredible. Is crazy to me, but I, I, you're not wrong. It's just, I don't, 
I don't think of it that way again. And part of that just goes back to, I'm just, I just am a girl that loves a pole vault. Like it's so, it's just so big, <laughs> which I feel I'm not, I, I don't know. I, it's, it's crazy, but I, it makes sense. And from an outside perspective, it's like, of course they would respect me. But when you're in the middle of it and it's you, it's just, it's nuts. <laughs> Do you want to spot the second part? Oh, uh, what is the second part? Oh yeah. Good call. So you were invited by the team to put on a presentation slash speech. Uh, yeah. What went through your mind What's that, Kevin? You haven't been invited to do a speech for the Browns? I've never been invited to do a PowerPoint for, for anything outside of work. And those aren't that good anyway. So, no, Stamesies. Uh, but you have. Give us the rundown. What went through your mind? Beginning, end. Oh my goodness. How do I do this? What did they ask how you did to do? It go? So, well, my first thought, like I said, was just what could I possibly say to these guys? What are they going to want to hear from me? Um, but I, the coach, I think just wanted me to talk about, you know, if you don't start off so strong, how do you find your rhythm again? And how do you keep that external pressure out of it? And things that was kind of my first, oh yeah, they were, we're ultimately doing the same thing, very different, but at the end of the day, just across sports and just life in general, there are just so many things that carry over across every sport that I just talked about basically my career. Um, I did a very brief, you know, starting to 2020 just to get to that point. And then I talked about when everything shut down in 2020, how I was able to keep training. And then I got COVID in December of 2020 and just the link, pretty much the whole Olympic year was a mess for me in a way I had lingering COVID effects for four months. And then my poles all snapped in half in the airport coming back from a competition. And, and then I got horrible food poisoning before I went to Tokyo. And then the Tokyo meet itself was not my best meet. I, you know, took until my third attempt at the opening height. I missed another one. I was in last place until I won. Um, and so it, I think he, that's really, he just wanted me to talk about when it's not going your way, how do you turn it around and how do you keep the external stuff out of it? And that's been pretty much my career. So, <laughs> so you put on like, like an actual PowerPoint, right? Sort of. I played clips of the Olympic games. I, I talked through. Oh, that's games. so cool. Um, so that was nice because they had footage of that, which I don't have access to NBC won't let me post videos of my jump. I would get in a lot of trouble if I did, which is crazy, but oh, come on. I'm not kidding. We'll, I can only post the still we'll make a call. <laughs> I think you have to purchase it, but even then I think I could get in trouble for, for posting it since it's NBC's property. <laughs> so, uh, oh. so thankfully they had gotten them. Um, and I was able to just talk through the meet and, and talk show just different jumps and kind of highlight how exciting it was and just the ups and downs and everything that went on until I won. And they loved it. Like it, it, watch making the Browns, everyone listening. They loved it. Like they all came up to you. Like they like lined up after the presentation. <laughs> yeah. yeah. This, I, this is not a surprise. We're not saying this in a, it just, 
it's so cool. It's surprising to me. You just don't know how anyone's going to take a presentation from you if they're going to care. But then to have it be guys that they do this all the time. Every Sunday, they're feeling the pressure of what I felt one time in five years. And it's so it's it's still crazy to me. It's very it's very surreal, but they were amazing. Like you would never expect in an NFL practice facility, anyone to be like, I don't want to say intimidated, but like fangirling, if you will, but bring an Olympic gold medals in there and it changes the game. (laughs) It's it, it definitely puts it into perspective of how big it is, which like I said, it's still hitting me in waves when you get people like Bernie Kozar tweeting at me. He was the first person to tweet at me. And then I got to meet him at this event that I did for union home mortgage. And he was just so complimentary. I'm like, congrats on your entire life. Like your, your entire career. <laughs> it's just, you get these moments where you're like, oh yeah, it, it was big. It, it just, because it, again, it just feels like day to day, I guess. I know that it's not, but I just, I just pull ball and that's well, I what I work to do. So, you know, you, you talked about how crazy it is, like your similarities with these athletes in a different field, yeah. um, connecting you to the fan, the average Clevelander. Do you have any pre event rituals or pre Browns game rituals that you would adhere to that? Maybe we all have some similarities. Pre-Browns game, not as much. Um, and to be honest, usually on Sundays, on Monday, I have a pretty hard workout, so I don't even really drink or anything for the game. Same. I've been to Muni a lot once. It was amazing. Um, and I didn't even go to the game. I just went to pregame. That was fantastic. Been there. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, as far as before competitions, it's really just about making sure I'm eating enough and spaced out throughout the day so that I'm not just like so full it hurts but that I have fuel and good energy throughout the whole thing and I lay very low I just lay in my bed and try to conserve as much energy as possible so me too but I'm not an Olympic athlete (laughs) we're not so different (laughs) I got one yeah can we can I bring in the surprise question from cousin Dylan Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> well, there's a few. Uh, first of all, shout out uh, Pembroke for introducing uh, me to Katie. Uh, Pembroke, a classmate or an old, uh, she was in my class at Dayton, um, competed with Katie, teammate. So thank yes. you to Pembroke. Another small world is, uh, we'll make this real quick. Katie's cousin, Dylan, is a good friend of mine back home in Lakewood. Um, his band a few years ago was the opening act for Counting Crows nationwide tour. Yes. So he was a bass player in the band, opening up for Counting Crows every night on their tour. Um, so I texted him earlier. I said, hey, your cousin's coming on tonight. Can you please submit a guest question or two for her? And he <laughs> said, absolutely. So the reason I tell that story about him touring with Counting Crows is because his first question was, ask her about the two posts she made about being cousins with the rock star years ago and having someone famous in the family. How that didn't age too well, did it? <laughs> uh I watched him this. Yeah, this was years ago. I watched him play a show. It was, it was a small show, but when he came down, we just chatted with him. I got a picture with him and I said something to the effect of, you know, it's cool to have someone famous in the family (laughs) referring to him. And he 
clearly thought you, that was hilarious and <laughs> reposted it very recently. <laughs> hilarious, especially if you know the yeah. kid. Like, yes. shout out Dylan. <laughs> so when I was in fourth grade, I went to my first concert that was okay. Counting Crows. Damn. I wasn't even like that big of a Counting Crows fan. It was in the, <laughs> how old was I? Something in the 90s, whatever. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to see Counting Crows. I was going with my friend's older sister, like me and my friend and his older sister took us. It was sick. Shout out Paula. But <laughs> I didn't know opening bands were a thing. And the band that was opening for him was called Live. Um, Ooh. Some sick songs. Oh, uh, I, in my elder days, yeah. I'm like, yeah, Live's kick ass. I didn't know they were a band at the time. I was in fourth grade. Right. And so I told my like older cousins, like, yeah, I'm going to go see a concert, Counting Crows. They're like, and live? And I'm like, yeah, live a, a concert. <laughs> um, they're like, cool. And then I told somebody else, they're like, oh, you're seeing Counting Crows and live? I'm like, what the hell is wrong with people? Yes, and uh, live. Like, what the hell am I missing with concerts? Like, I thought they were <laughs> all reminds me of the dude where's my car scene in the drive-thru. <laughs> like, she keeps saying, and then, but he's like, no, I'm, I'm good. Yeah, but yeah, you and her cousin gave me the opportunity to tell the Counting Crows and live I story. And this well, is just great. One more from Cousin Dylan. Tell her... Coming from someone who has loved superheroes their whole life, I know she is a real-life superhero. She's extremely open and transparent with her fans. So that was more of a comment from him. And then he also wanted me to tell you that grandma loves him more or something. But anyway. Uh, <laughs> we know that's a fact, actually. But no. oh, wow. All right, Grandma D. <laughs> point of animosity in, in all the cousins now. <laughs> all right. Well, shout out. All right, Grandma. <laughs> he called you a superhero for a lot of reasons. Um, but... In this particular, he's talking about, because you're very open about mental health and body image on Instagram and just in general. Um, I guess, when did you start opening up about that stuff? Because you're a big time role model to uh, men, women, young, old by doing so. And why was that so important for you to start doing that? I think, you know, as social media, as I started to get more into it, I just, I just realized I... I guess my brand, if you want to call it that, which sounds weird because I didn't even think of it like that at the time was just, this is who I am. I'm going to put who I am out there and all of who I am. And you're either going to like it or you're not. And that's fine. But I, I didn't want to just put one side of me out there. I, I, I wanted people to feel like if they were looking at my stuff, if they were reading my captions, that they felt like they were actually getting to know who I was. And, and I totally respect people that want to keep it very just like surface level, like their private life is different. And I just, I, I'm an open book. And I know that with the body image stuff, when I, when I was starting to come onto the pro circuit, you know, you're seeing all these women that are insanely fit and competing in sports bras. And, and I, in college was always in a tank top and I never had to really worry about that. But one, you want to fit in and wear what they're wearing, but two, you want to fit in and look as good as they do. And I had this very flawed logic that I have to, you know, really be super strict with my diet in order to look like them. And the results will come if I look like them. And in turn, I was not eating enough. And then it, I just became obsessed with limiting calories. Basically. Um, I had a, a I, I would say an eating disorder. It wasn't this full-blown crazy thing that ended up putting me in the hospital, but it was something that 
was serious enough that it was affecting my mental well-being and I would just constantly be thinking about okay what's my next meal and how am I going to like micromanage what I'm eating and I think part of why I want to be open about all of that is so the way that I eat now and it, I've I luckily got out of that and I mean there wasn't really any major moment I, I it was a slow but sure thing um and I just I want to be very transparent in that I eat a lot uh, now. I eat, you know, this way and I'm eating a lot of calories and it's it's how you fuel yourself and healthy looks different on everyone because nobody talked about it. And so I just thought, okay, that's that's what just what you have to do to be elite. You just ha- kind of have to starve yourself a little bit. Like enough to like compete, but you have to like be super super strict and that is just not the case. I eat you know, every two to three hours I'm eating solid sized meals. And a lot of times I like tonight I ordered out and got chicken teriyaki and some sushi. And I just, I'm, I'm eating until I'm, I'm full or satisfied. And then, you know, and if I'm ever, I try to, you know, make smart decisions. And as long as I'm eating good quality food, that's really the main thing. But each meal is good protein, good carbs, throw in fruits, veggies, healthy fats or even just not healthy fats like bacon. I love bacon. So just eggs, bacon, oatmeal, like that's a great meal right there, but just good quality food. Um, and so, yeah, that's, but on the weekends, if I want to go out and have a couple of drinks with my friends and then I do. And if I'm having a super exhausting week and I have a rest day the next day and I want a glass of wine, I'm going to have a glass of wine. Like that's, I, and but I just want to be vocal about that so that people don't look at me as, oh, she's just, you know, super strict. Like she has to sacrifice so much. And it's like, oh yeah, I've sacrificed things. But once you get it in a rhythm or in a routine and it's a lifestyle more and you're around people that are wanting the same things, it really doesn't feel like a sacrifice and it shouldn't feel miserable. I was miserable for a while and it, it, it shouldn't feel that way. And so, yeah, I just, I want to be really transparent about a lot of that so that if young athletes, I don't want young athletes to look at me and think one, oh, she just has it easy. I want to talk about my struggles so that it's not this defeating thing for someone. I think we look at the elite athletes and think, well, they're just, they're just gifted. They didn't really have to, they, they just got that because they were, you know, blessed with it. Yeah, I think you're going about part of that's true, but yeah. like, I mean, yeah, you like to an extent you do have to be, you know, genetically gifted, but I had to work harder than I ever thought I could. I couldn't get there on talent alone and I didn't. And I've been really transparent about my journey to get there. I, wow. I think you're going about this all wrong. It's the best answer of all time. As far as like <laughs> telling people that, no, you don't have to, starve yourself like all of your competitors they follow you on social media you tell, if you're trying to get the repeat the three peat you tell right, them like right. oh it's well, trust so hard me, these girls haven't figured out too we we eat like that's half of the time we're together is just like eating our meals together <laughs> say, same i just don't burn it off the positive thing the memoirs down the line but you got a couple more events coming up and just keep it close to the chest <laughs> I think what's so inspiring for for me personally with with watching you and following you, um, you know, you talked about uh, earlier on the pod, you talked about switching coaches for whatever reason. 
-hmm. college, you switch schools to, yeah. to refresh and start something new. Today, whether it's, you know, other athletes looking at you, little girls, little young kids looking at you, me, I'm 33 looking at you. <laughs> I think what I've really appreciated is that you've been, there's, there's pivotal moments in your life and career, college, pro, whatever it is, where you said something isn't right. I need to make a change. Mm -hmm. It's hard enough to just admit that to yourself, that something might be wrong or something needs to be changed here. It's even harder to then go out and make that leap, that jump, that vault nice, <laughs> actually then change it, right? So when you transfer to Ashland, when you got a new coach, just, I think that's the most important thing. And I guess can you, for someone who's, you know, always kind of afraid to make that jump or anyone, I guess, what do you tell people in that situation? I think the thing that I've learned the most about myself is just my gut is never wrong. And I really do believe that about people. Your intuition is spot on. And I had this my coach ended up leaving Dayton. I found out that he was in a weird way. I found out he was not going to be there the next year where he ended up leaving. And I just, I was like, okay, this is my out. I, this is, and I knew that I needed to get out. Otherwise I was never going to, I was, I was just in a really bad spot there. I had a really bad mental block. I was struggling, but I would not at that time have made that change had he not left. And so that was kind of my first taste of, I transferred to Ashland, had success there. My gut told me to go to Ashland. I had success there. And so that was the first moment of, oh, this is where I, I, you need to listen to your gut. And so right out of college, my college coach had found my first professional coach and he was great. We did well together. I improved with him, but I just wasn't quite ready to be all in. It takes a very different level of commitment mentally and physically. And I was always a little bit in charge. I was, I needed to be in control. Pole vaulting scary and I was afraid of it and I needed to be in control. And I couldn't give that up, that control up to somebody fully until after I didn't make the Olympic team in 2016, I had a good day and it was very humbling. Okay. You you had a great day and you still did not make this team. So you cannot keep doing what you're doing. And I, I had that same gut feeling of, I need to go work with Brad. I, I went out there. I tried it out with him for a week. New coach. It, new coach uh, is Brad. My new coach. Yes. Sorry. My new coach is Brad. He himself was a two-time Olympian, two-time world champion. He had the American record at the time. So he was a stud. He had just retired himself and was coaching at Washington state. And I always enjoyed the conversations that I'd had with him. So I reached out because I had heard he was wanting to take on elites at some point in his life. Little did I know he wanted to coach men and these beasts. And he got me. <laughs> like, did see me that was afraid to pull ball. He had no idea what he was getting into. And now he coaches six women and he just never wanted to coach women. And now he loves coaching women. So I love that I, <laughs> I changed him a little bit there. But awesome. I got that same gut feeling when I worked with him that, that I did about coming to Ashland. And it was like, oh, this is it. You have to go here. So trust your gut. If your gut is telling you you need to go somewhere, do it. Like whatever that is. 
So we went to college for two years together. I just realized that. I, I don't know. Say, yeah. I this whole time. I'm glad you got out of Dayton. That no, place is known for destroying no, athletic no. career. Well, yeah, that's why I'm not four years there. It ruined all, you know, that's why I'm not an Olympian because, you know, what happens right, in Dayton after right. four years. But um, yeah. so follow your gut. I, I like that a lot. <laughs> and because, but what, what amazes me about that, Katie, is that you made that coaching change after having a great day, you said. Like you make the yeah. okay, excuse, you make the Olympics, but you still say you had a great day, but still you're like, there's success here, but it's not where I need to. It wasn't be. good enough. Wow. It was a good day. It just wasn't good enough, and I wanted my whole life. I felt like I had the potential to be great, and I'd had people tell me, "You're so fast. You do a lot of things really wrong <laughs> in the pole vault." Um, technically, if you could just figure it out you can, you know, be really great. And I believed that I really did, but I wasn't going to make those changes in my comfort zone. I had to get into a completely new situation. I had to work with someone that intimidated me a little bit that I was a little bit afraid of to some degree. I mean, Brad's this figure. He was a, a stud himself and he just has this presence where he kind of demands at least that you're giving it your all. And I had never really worked with someone like that before. And he was great in that he, he was very motivating. He didn't yell at me. I, if you yell at me, I cry. I'm 30 years old. And I fully admit if you yell at me, I I start crying. Um, and so, but he was intimidating enough that it kept me really motivated to make these changes. And it pushed me out of that comfort zone where I don't think other people would have been able to do that. When people ask me, like, if there's Sorry. one episode I should listen Are to you in your podcast, like, yeah, it's going to be sounds like my wife. <laughs> like, scream at her. This is, this is the one episode <laughs> I should listen to on this podcast. Um, you want to hit them with some Instagram questions? <laughs> so yeah. while Raleigh's warming up, Raleigh put up uh, on the Instagram machine earlier uh, yep. an open invite to send questions to. I reposted no, it. So <laughs> have you, yeah, oh yeah, that helps. Have you, before I was pulling this up, have we trademarked it, tra- trademarked, wow, trademarked Katie Nagot or the pride of the West side yet? <laughs> no, I don't think so. All right. We, we, we got to get Nagot t-shirt. Zabo. Okay. All right. Shout out Zabo apparel company. All right. Hit them. <laughs> okay. These are some of the good ones, some of the bad ones, whatever. These are questions from the people and I'm not even going to like shout out the names. Cause I don't know how to pronounce yeah, no. 90% of your Instagram goddamn handles, names. So yeah. if you made it, you <laughs> live with that. If you could live with one person for the rest of your life, who would it be? And you're not allowed to say like your significant other. Oh, wow. Wait, that makes it weird. Yeah. All right. Fuck. Screw that question. No, um, I, it's funny. I'd probably one say my dog and two, uh, I actually, uh, my roommates now are great. So I, the one in particular I've been on, I've been training with her since 2018. So it's it's a great, great roommate. So I'll pick her. You live with female Olympians? I live with what? You live with female Olympians? Uh, they're not Olympians, but KB was an Olympic trials finalist and Natalie competes for the Philippines. And, um, but yeah, they're, they're awesome. I was going to ask if any of them, you know, are they Browns into, into podcasters, like Browns podcasters, but. Well, and KB is from Baltimore, so oh. we're going to have a bit of a feud in a couple weeks here. Oh. <laughs> back to back. 
Fix it with a question. <laughs> okay. Okay. What saying or motivational phrase has helped push you through tough times, if any? Uh, my my dad wrote me a letter when I went on a retreat in grade school, middle school. Um, and he said, set your goals to experience your dreams and your life will be truly extraordinary. And I actually Googled it to see if he got that from someone else because I'd never thought he was that insightful. <laughs> but I have taken that with me everywhere. I, it's Your answers are good, perfect. Good quote. <laughs> Where were you when the snap went over Big Ben's head last January? <laughs> I'll tell you what. I don't even know. I couldn't watch a lot of the games because I can't get them in my area. I have tried, I have to stream them through a lot of illegal streams and I didn't get to, I didn't get to watch as many as I would like. So I couldn't even tell you. You didn't watch the playoff game? Just trade for the Olympics. I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just didn't. Yeah. I, I don't know. That's allowed, Katie. You're training for the winning gold medal. Oh yeah. (laughs) No, I, it's terrible. I know. I, I say I'm a huge Browns fan. I didn't say I was the biggest. All right, that's fair. In terms oh, of, okay. but you're allowed. It's okay. You were training for the Olympics. You're allowed to take a couple games off there. I feel like I was traveling. I because I remember like keeping up with results and Twitter. Twitter is fantastic for keeping up with what's going on in the Browns game. It's like it is. Twitter is a dark pros universe. and cons. Yeah, but I no. I don't think I got to sit down and watch that game. I just remember being so excited when I found out we won. <laughs> what What's the most you've ever spent at Taco Bell? I would have been in college. Uh, probably some, it probably would have been like 20 bucks. Like just oh, that's good. No, and that's very relevant for this podcast. We're not sponsored <laughs> by Taco Bell yet, but we yet. always give them shout outs. Yeah. Uh, favorite Browns player from your lifetime. Mm, that's really hard. Man, um, Bernie and Baker. And it's like every era. Mm. Um, I will say nobody on the current roster, so you don't hurt anyone's feelings. Yeah, boom. That actually makes me feel a lot better. Um, I I would have to say Bernie. Just growing up, like I, I mean, he was before my time, but just your whole life, you hear of that name, and then so when he tweeted at me, I texted my mom in all caps, like Bernie Kosar knows I exist. Like this is nuts. So the one of the. Following you has obviously been fun. I think everyone in Cleveland follows you and beyond, obviously. <laughs> and there's been a lot of times, obviously, where I'm just very, like, I'm like, wow, they're just so amazing. But even, I think, second place to, like, the goal, when you got the picture, you posted a picture of Bernie, I, like, gasped. Yeah. I'm like, I, the two two Cleveland legends just in a photo together. It was, it was beautiful. Outside the rock hall in the background. I gasped, too, when I didn't know he was going to be there. And I... Like I get to this event and they're like, yeah, we want you to meet Bernie. And I turn around he's just like standing in front of me. I didn't even have time to process what was going to happen. I just, it was, he was so nice. Uh, Favorite Cleveland Browns player on the current roster. Oh, wow. No, I just, that was a joke. God damn. Baker Mayfield confirmed? Question mark. I hope so. I really hope so. I mostly. I, Hell yes, confirmed, confirmed. That's all we did. <laughs> I did too. Well, I mean, here I first. Think he has done something for this city in giving us hope, and he's great. And people that are giving him a hard time, like 
sit down. Like he has snaps done so much and he's insanely talented. So I really think he's going to, you have a general message to the haters and it's not just him. It's like the armchair quarterbacks, the, that kind of people that, I mean, yeah, but more like an aggressive message of telling them to go themselves for you. No. <laughs> um, well, I just, I actually tweeted this not too long ago, but n- despite what people think, nobody gets off the bus wanting to have a bad day. Nobody steps onto the field or onto the track wanting to have a bad day. And I was one jump away from it being the worst meet of my life. I almost no heighted at the Olympic games and I didn't, and it turned, I turned it around, but it so easily, it could have been the other way. And it just, we're our toughest critics. And, and so, I mean, we get the smallest amount of what they get and I get it as a Browns fan and wanting them to win. I, of course, am like frustrated and, and sad when we don't win, but I, it's no, nobody, they're always giving it a hundred percent. It's just hundred percent with human beings looks different every day. There's just no thing, such thing as perfection. So I would just say, take a minute to think about if it was you. <laughs> and do you want people screaming at you on social media? And I, you know, for the people that say like, well, they get paid too much for this. It's like, nobody gets paid so much to endure that sort of criticism and that sort of hate. You're still human. Yeah. Yes, exactly. They're, uh-huh. they're wanting to do their best just like, Everybody, you know. Yeah, no, I, I think it's the whole answer is a T-shirt in itself, right there. <laughs> I mean, it's people that I don't know. I, it's been kind of a tough week, but it's like, well, yes. I mean, people it's people that are complaining weird. about it. They're a bunch of non-contributing zeros, and it's like, well, you can support the team. To quote Joe Thomas, as a fan, you have one job: support the team or get the f out. Yeah. We stop swearing. Joe Thomas would be up there as one of my favorite players. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the better endings we can have right there. But before so, Ah. before we go, no, Uh I just want to understand because, you know, I was saying we were talking today or I I forget. I said, I think she's in preseason right now. Can we talk about what's next for Katie Najat? Like when, when can we like, what is the total opposite of a question to end an episode? Yes. Let's ask that. (laughs) What's next? Like, tell us where can we see you next? Like help us understand the the outside the Olympics world. So I will start competing probably in January. There is a circuit for us indoor and there is an outdoor circuit called the diamond league every year. And it's basically our version of an NFL or an NBA where, you know, the best in the world compete at these meets around the world and you earn points. And at the end of the year, it's kind of like the Super Bowl or, you know, the the NBA finals or whatever, where like the best of the best who've earned their spot to be there compete and the winner gets a big prize. So uh, we have that every year. People really only get to hear about the Olympics, but so that'll be a big one. World championships this year in 2022 in the summer, uh, we'll be in Eugene, uh, and there'll be an indoor world championships as well. I, for the life of me, can't remember where, because we have had so many switch switched around and, and move, but we will have an indoor worlds and I, I'm trying for that. So yes, I am in my preseason 
it's painful. This is the worst time of the year for me because these are all the really hard workouts and getting a base endurance, which pole vaulters aren't endurance athletes. So these are all really painful, but they are great for the long term. So just suffering through it. And uh, yeah, so there's, I don't know exactly, probably end of January will be my first meet, but we're, we're going to a bar or something for that. It's going to be a blast. <laughs> and that's a great, I'll be posting all about like, I, I have to make the world team first because you, <laughs> you have to try out it. Hey, anything can happen on any given day. Yeah, what are you putting the Maloik on her for? No, I, good luck to you. We hope you make thank it. You. <laughs> I'm not gonna, I appreciate the confidence, but uh, I won't jinx you. Good luck. <laughs> Thanks. Um, so that, that's going to be what I'm gunning for this year. Okay. This has been an absolute privilege speaking with you and we truly appreciate you coming on. Um, it's been really not, fun. not that anyone needs it, but we'll have all the contact info for Katie, all contact info, her social info <laughs> in the episode description. Speaking my phone number, I might, I might. Well, yeah, we're going to keep, we'll keep the, you know, the, the personal <laughs> information private. Um, you have any, any final words you want to say? Uh, go Browns, go Katie. Woo! <laughs> Katie, <laughs> thank you. Thank you so much, Katie. And that does it for us. Good night, Cleveland.
Sou Guirão 